Hey, it's Greg Brady. Thanks for checking out Toronto Today. It is Friday, the 13th of January. Yes, it is. Uh, no, Jason Voorhees talked. We kept that to an absolute minimum. But we did talk about health care and the looming nature, and looming doesn't have to be a negative, of private hospitals where surgeries can be performed to not create the structure where our usual hospitals get jammed. And there's this backlog of surgeries. I think Doug Ford actually has it right when he says people need want their surgeries and they don't want to wait for cataract surgery, hip surgery, knee surgery. They don't want to wait a year, 14 months. We are way, way, way behind other first world countries in delivering services on time in a timely manner. We can all say, well, socialized health care belongs to everybody. Everybody deserves it. You're not wrong. But what we can what can we do to expedite surgeries when they matter the most, when they're quality of life issues, when people are missing work or can't do the jobs or even be with their family as they so deem necessary? It's an important question to ask. So changes are coming on Monday. I give you my thoughts. And on the back end of this, Colin DeMello joins us with some details about what to expect on Monday as well. That's on Toronto Today. The vocal minority. Well, who's that? Kind of a smaller group of individuals. They voice their opinions. And some of us sometimes are in that vocal minority. And some of us are in the silent majority. That's most of the population base. And we just think, well, let's just trudge along here and see how it all goes. Um, the, uh, The vocal minority often gets their way. The louder they are, the more it seems like, you know, something is changing. This is why two things Two things are really risky to judge whether or not somebody's in the minority or the majority. One is a poll. Okay, sometimes polls tell you something. Sometimes they tell you absolutely zero. And people say things in polls. They walk the walk. Or sorry, they talk the talk. But they're not going to walk the walk. 58% of people say they won't come back to the office if their boss says so. 58% of people are telling you they don't want to do that. When the rubber meets the road, they'll come back. Or guess what? boss will find somebody else who might have a better attitude who might actually be better at the gig to do that gig that's what's going to happen okay people lie on polls all the time all right how's how have polls worked out and how by the way has the world of twitter worked out in predicting political outcomes trump hillary how'd that go brexit how'd that go even biden and trump how'd that go when it looked like joe biden was in some big trouble in the evening of the 2020 election so when it comes to Ontario's health care, I know there's a lot of loud, vocal people out there. Leave my OHIP alone. We have a great system. We, w- we absolutely have to keep things the way it is. I think most Canadians are ready to embrace more mature conversations. I think a lot of minds have changed. I was just talking with Green Party leader Mike Schreiner, and I said, I came back with a bit of a different lens and how I would explain healthcare to people in our country, let alone our provinces. The States is a pretty great place to be if you have a job. It's a pretty great place to be if you have benefits. Did I get a bill when we had our baby? Absolutely, I, I did. Um, but insurance paid for a good 85 to 90% of it. We're also lucky we didn't have a C-section. Okay, We got out of there after a day and a half. Some people in a five-day wait uh, though you'll get a lot of snacks and a lot of sort of, you know, service, you're paying like a hotel for the night. I got a bill for a knee surgery. I didn't get that when I had my meniscus repaired in 2013. But people's minds are changing a little bit to say, well, why do we have to be like the states? Here's the brass tacks. Our system 
can't handle what's coming. It can't handle what we've got right now. We've got a crisis. It's an acute one, not an obtuse one. We're under siege. We're not, we're underwater. We're not floating above the surface. We have an aging population. We're going to be heading towards more disastrous demand supply issues with our health care, and our system cannot handle it. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. By the way, this system that so many of you flex muscles and trumpet about is ranked by CEO World Magazine's healthcare index. And by the way, healthcare just isn't, is it the cheapest for everybody? What's the quality like? What, what about preventative care? What about coordinated care? What's your patient preference? Is it affordable? Is it timely? And we all know we fall down way down the list when it comes to timeliness. How's our administrative efficiency? Not very good when nurses are leaving the industry en masse and, hot- and hospitals are adding CEOs. I can list you any, any Ontario hospital, and I dare you to look it up yourself. More CEOs making more than 150 grand or less CEOs in the last three years. What do you think? Anybody taking pay cuts there? Anybody pushed out of jobs there? No. So we've got a bit of a game that a lot of people don't mind if it continues on for several more years. Why? They benefit. Our ranking on that CEO World Magazine list? Oh, I don't know. Are we bottom end of the top 10? Nope. Oh, well, we must be top 15 then. Nope. How's 23rd sound? Just ahead of Singapore and way behind the likes of Germany, Austria, Finland, Netherlands, Sweden, Switzerland, and Norway. By the way, when we talk about European healthcare models, what do we think they do? Denmark has a phenomenal high standard of healthcare. They're ranked in the top three in this list. What do they do? How do they pay for it? Well, they've modernized things a little bit. Residents have free public health care as long as they have a number and a health insurance card. And for non-emergency treatment, referrals are utilized. And there is a sense of pay for player. Austria's fourth best health care system in the world. Vienna, world-class city, two-tier system. Basic publicly funded medical care provided to nearly everybody. Private health care is available for those that want better quality or faster access. Like everything else in your life, you want it faster, you pay a little more. You want better quality, you pay a little more. Do we let people fall through the cracks in Austria? No, we don't. Does everybody have a baseline? Yes. Is there a safety net that covers every single person for every single malady? Also, yes. And I could list you the countries that do. France is seventh in the rankings. It combines private and public provisions. High standards of healthcare, easily accessible by all. I'm reading these very independent reviews. This isn't France bragging about France. These are other people telling you that. High number of doctors and hospital beds. Short waiting times for treatments and consultations. Honestly, are we going to get this together or are we not? I read these comments in the paper today from the Nurses College, from hospital CEOs, from liberal interim leader John Fraser, and they don't get it. They are absolutely tone deaf. Maybe, hmm, let me just guess here. Do they know people who know people that aren't you and me, whether you're white collar or blue collar, who have to suffer through wait times, who have to sit at ER in emergency rooms for eight, nine hours at a time? I'm going to guess that they aren't. I'm going to guess if you work high up in the healthcare industry, you know, the kind of people that a newspaper writer would call for comment, you're not complaining too much about this system. The same way I don't see a lot of hospital CEOs um, lamenting Bill 124. 
Where are all these people? Where's the head of this hospital? Where's the head of sick kids? Where's the head of, of, uh, of London Health Services lamenting Bill 124 and absolutely excoriating Doug Ford for putting it through? Where is that? I got all day to criticize the province for what they've done with health care. And I got all day to criticize, by the way, the previous 15 years of the liberal government. Here's what Doug Ford said yesterday, stressing where we are with health care. People don't care where they have to go as long as it has the same regulations, the same top-notch doctors that are working in the hospital. So they're going to move out cataract operations. People are waiting years for cataract surgeries. They're life-changing once you get them. And people are sitting there unable to see properly for 18 months. Tell me again what a great system we have. What about a knee replacement? Why do I give a rip where I get it or who gives it to me as long as, by the way, I still don't pay with my credit card for it? Ford calls these no-brainers. He's right. By the way, the liberals say any new healthcare facilities must be not-for-profit entities to prevent losses of staff that could undermine the public health system. You couldn't undermine our current public health system more if you actually tried on purpose to do it. I know that's the accusation from interim liberal leader John Fraser. We don't have enough frontline workers to care for those who need care. Right. You've just made the point that we can't keep doing what we're doing. He also says Ontarians deserve a publicly funded healthcare system where the only shareholders that count are the people they are caring for. The people are telling you they want mature conversations, Mr. Fraser. They are telling you they want some aspect of change. And many are telling you in polls that they're telling you they want an element of choice. We're not credible anymore continuing on with the same old system. I don't want to be ranked 23rd worldwide. We've got the most people and the most hospital execs, execs in the thickest relationship with government between them. And they've said nothing tangible about changing things. Why? They like the game the way it is. You're going to have to do a little bit better than showing zero insight as to what fixes an obvious problem. Things aren't great right now. They certainly aren't. Does the Ford government have a plan to solve it, and how will that plan be received? Well, a lot of details on uh, Global News' website, globalnews.ca, from our Queen's Park Bureau Chief, Colin DeMello, who joins us right now. Colin, thanks so much for uh, making the time on short notice. Big announcement coming Monday, and uh, some people don't like the P word, and in this case, that's privatization, but that's where Ontario's going to try and help some of the surgery backlogs they have. Well, yeah, and I think what most people have to be clear about is instead of privatization, they have to swap that out with private delivery of public health care. And that is a really key term to kind of understanding what the province has been doing for a long time under the Ford government, under the Wynn government, under uh, the McGuinty government. You know, the private delivery of public health care has always existed in the system. You take, for example, your uh, physician, right? If you go to your family doctor, they are considered technically an independent contractor that bills the province of Ontario, but they maintain their own practice. They pay out of pocket. Uh, you know, the overhead costs, as an example, they are a private operator operating within the public system. It's how you interact with, the, with that system that counts, right? Do you pay with a credit card or are you, you know, using uh, the healthcare system with all services covered under OHIP? So during the pandemic, uh, the Ford government was looking at how to uh, tackle the backlog of surgeries. And it wasn't just, you know, the critical surgeries that were being delayed. It was also all of the other stuff, like the hip replacements, the knee replacements, the cataract surgeries, et cetera, that sometimes might be done in hospitals. 
Well, over the course of the pandemic, the, the Ford government had put aside, you know, a significant pool of money, some $300 million to clear the surgical backlog. It turns out a, a small chunk of that change was going to private hospitals and independent health facilities that have already existed in the system so that they could kind of ramp up the number of surgeries that they could do and take the pressure off of uh, the, the healthcare system. We're expecting the province will be dramatically expanding that model. Uh, but over the course of the pandemic, we know uh, and we have some numbers to show just how much the province was kind of relying on these independent health systems to mm. get the healthcare system through. And I think to your point, not only like taking the surgeries, I suppose off site might be an, a, an adaptation for some, but anybody who's had an MRI somewhere else likely hasn't had it in a hospital. If they've had an x-ray somewhere, they've likely had it at a, a private clinic and they don't end up paying out of pocket for it. So I th- I'm glad you make that distinction between a private entity that stands on its own like a doctor's office and the idea that all of a sudden Monday, snap of a finger, we have two tier to your health care. Nothing could be further from the truth, in my estimation anyway. Well, yeah, no, and, and that's exactly it, right? And the premier has been you know, fairly clear and very insistent upon this fact that you know, you would be paying with your OHIP card and not your health card. The, the concerns, though, from, from those who talk about the additional kind of, you know, private delivery creep is um, what happens when the patient actually gets to that location? Could they be upsold? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and presented with a, a perhaps a better option. You know, a lot of um, a lot of advocates or critics will give this option um, or the example of cataracts. Right, you go to get your cataract surgery. All of a sudden, uh, you know, the physician presents you with a, a better quality lens to implant, but it's not covered by OHIP. But they say if you implant this lens, you might not necessarily need to have a surgery again, you know, in 10 or 15 years, as an example. So the upselling is where some people say there is some concerns to be had. Uh, but the Auditor General, as an example, back in 2012, uh, Greg, had, had mm. taken a look at independent health facilities. And she said, Listen, you know, there are many, some 800 independent health facilities in Ontario. They are funded. Back in 2012, there was $400 million going from the province to independent health facilities for the operational costs and the overhead. And 98% of them are independently owned and they are for-profit or, uh, corporations, but they exist within the system as long as a physician refers you to one of these facilities and, and the results go back to the physician, that's where kind of the OHIP uh, payment system comes in and, and the patient doesn't have to pay out of pocket. Yeah, it's it's uh, obviously this is this is coming on uh, on Monday. Uh, but yeah, I think like your guess and my guess probably Colin is the same that the province will be adamant um, that they're not expanding the number of private hospitals because these are still there's a big difference between the publicly funded procedure and the idea of where it is. And the premier is making the point. I think many people will agree that people just they, they want they want those surgeries expedited. Cataracts will keep you off work. A knee surgery or a hip surgery will keep you away from your job or being able to do things with your family. People want these things faster than they've been getting them these last several years. Yeah, and there's a couple of important points to note, right? Uh, the province currently has a law in the books that, you know, you can't build new private hospitals. Mm-hmm. So if the premier is 
uh, going to introduce legislation as an example to uh, repeal that earlier law, well, that would be something that you know would give people a lot of concern. The other thing is about user fees. Um, you know, a lot of people in the healthcare system or you know patients in the healthcare system don't understand that if if you are charged a user fee, as an example, you can complain to the province, and the province will investigate and try to you know get those user fees back from that uh, facility that charged you. But the, the federal government has a mechanism in place if they f- see that a province is starting to privatize healthcare and making you pay out of pocket. Yeah. They can withhold federal transfers to the province. And that is kind of their stick to ensure that provinces continue on with uh, public health care. But in the next few days, I, I, I suspect we're going to see from the province an expansion of the reliance on independent health facilities and those private hospitals just to clear out the surgeries. Because during the pandemic, they'd spent some, you know, in some cases, they'd spent um, five million dollars. Oh, sorry, eight million dollars on two private hospitals for thirty three hundred additional surgeries and eighteen million dollars for 17 independent health facilities over the last two years for four thousand additional surgeries and procedures. Right. Ultimately, if you want more to kind of get through the system. The province has to pay for it. That's where it goes. Uh, it'll be an interesting day Monday, Colin. I know we'll carry it live. I know you'll be there front and center. Thanks for all this information today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Colin DeMello, have a great weekend. Uh, Queen's Park uh, Bureau Chief joining us on 640 Toronto. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.